0: Hello, everyone. This is Nahum Siegel with another edition of JM Rewind. During JM Rewind, we get the chance, the opportunity to listen in to some of the great interviews and guests that have been on JM in the AM. We start with Meisha Rosenfeld, the producer, and Chaim David Burson, the cantor, uh, both of whom are involved with Yiddish Soul tomorrow night in Central Park on the summer stage at 72nd Street and Fifth Avenue. Here's what our conversation about Yiddish Soul sounded like here on JM Rewind on the Nachum Siegel Network, JM and the AM on this Wednesday morning, and we are joined uh, by uh, two wonderful gentlemen who can uh, enlighten us. I don't know how much more enlightening this audience can, uh, this audience needs, frankly, when it comes to the Yidd- Yiddish Soul concert. Everyone out there knows what kind of um, impression this concert has made on me the last couple of years, but they are going to help us. They're going to help us. Uh, uh, put her perspective on why everybody should be there a week from tonight. Yiddish Soul, the third annual concert celebration, happens a week from tonight. It's totally free. The doors open at six. Concert starts at seven. And by the way, we mean that. It really starts at seven. It it goes for a couple of hours. It's crisp. It is inspirational. It is done really well. The acts are very well prepared, and you'll notice you'll you'll notice just how well produced the the entire event is. Um, and it's all free, which is amazing. This year, it's the Klesmatics and Zusha and the Maccabees and Yanki Lemmer and Chaim David Burson and Daniel Kahn. I will be there hosting the event. Is pre- I am proud to be the MC. And with us live via telephone, we have Meisha Rosenfeld, who is the producer of a Yiddish Soul, and we have Chaim David Burson, who we mentioned is going to be performing there that night. First, Meisha Rosenfeld, welcome to JM in the AM.
1: Thank you. Good morning, Nachum. It's a pleasure and what an honor.
0: I appreciate that. Chaim David Burson, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Maisha. Good morning to the listeners. Really
2: uh, a pleasure and an honor to be on your show.
0: I greatly appreciate that. Maisha, I I have my own um, analysis that I've given to my audience over the last couple of years. I'd love to get your perspective. Why is it that this concert, which is free, one would think it would have to be a really expensive ticket, to be the product that you're producing, why is it that this concert, which is free, is so crisp, so well run and such an enjoyable couple of hours in Central Park each year?
1: Uh, you know honestly, I was thinking before I came on you know this is the kind of concert that I could put at Carnegie Hall and and charge a hundred bucks for and, for and sure. sell out for sure. so such high quality music. It's such a beautiful, uh, you know, mix of professional artists from, from different parts of the community. It's a, it's, it's a bridge-building concert uh, that, that brings the, the secular and the Hasidic and the, and the firm community together around the one... The one common uh, theme, which is they all have a Yiddish in their Shama. they all have a Yiddish soul, and uh, this uh, this is you know an extremely exciting uh, moment every year that we do uh, bringing these two communities together. Yeah, you know it's uh, funny. I, 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 I
0: one of the reasons mm-hmm. one of the reasons I'm chuckling. Is because usually what you described never works. You know when you put together acts as diverse as Zusha and the Klasmatics and the Cantors, everything. It usually does not work. And yet, for some reason, the synthesis at the Yiddish Soul concert is amazing. And it just and and it seems like everybody in the audience loves every single act that gets up there.
1: You know the, the interesting thing over the years, I mean, the last few years, we we've had. You know we've had the superstars of 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 both worlds. Okay, the superstars of the of the from world uh, Avram Fried and Benny Friedman and Lipa Schmelzer and 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 uh, Chaim David Burson and and Yanki Lemer and and, and and the and the other on the other side the 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 and the Grammy winners and Daniel Kahn the the. the thing that unites us all is that we all love yiddish we love Mama Lush, and it's a it's a history that that binds us it's it's part of the it's part of the the fabric so you know but the the other thing that combines that unites all these acts is they're they're top of the line they're the pro- most professional artists that you can work with, you know. In the in the past, we've had orchestras, you know, that, that with the top professionals in in the uh, in the business. And uh, you know, summer stage, on the other hand, uh, offers us the the opportunity, the infrastructure to run a smooth and beautiful operation from beginning to end. The audience is welcomed, you know. There's there's room for thousands of people to gather and yep. to dance and and enjoy joy and, and you know so that 's really what it 's all about, and you know and I have to say I have to say that this has been the mission you know the national Yiddish theater folkspin which which really you know produces this it 's been their mission all these years for, for the last one hundred and two years to bring yiddish. Uh, Yiddish language, you know, to the next generation. And then this is really the next generation, the Azusha and Maccabees and the This is really for the for the younger audience. And, uh, you know, so that's that's really where it is.
0: It is unbelievable. I mean, yeah. the, the folks being uh, – no, nobody knew what was going to happen a few years ago. and And look how they're thriving at this point and providing – this type of uh, of an evening for everybody uh yiddish soul is free everybody i know that every time i say it i i say it in a way that i don't believe it myself but it, it really is an unbelievable ticket uh that it's absolutely free and you get to enjoy all of this as mysha rosenfeld always says everyone hope for good weather he will take care of the rest it's as simple as that <laughs> Chaim david burson is with us Chaim david a pleasure to have you here um what are your impressions of all of this? I mean, look, you've been on plenty of concert bills and you've performed in so many different arenas and so many different weddings and celebrations. What is it like to be part of a lineup that's this diverse and this uh, and this eclectic for the Jewish world?
2: So, uh I think I think it's amazing in so many ways. Uh you guys mentioned uh a couple of uh, a couple of things before that I could uh, not agree more with and uh just like you said, first of all, starting by saying that music is a universal language. Yeah. And just like you mentioned, I've performed in many, many places around the world, and it's always so special. It's the one thing that you can bring around the same table, around the same stage, so many different types of people from different places, different languages, different backgrounds. And everyone can sing together and connect. And this has such a power, and it's really a privilege being part of this. And, and we have such a great team here. And, uh, you know, you, you said also before how you've seen many times when there are attempts to bring, of bringing together these uh, diverse uh, cultures, and it doesn't always work. Yeah, but it does we not have such a great work. team of production, and uh, between Moisha and Zalman Milotik from the years Theater, and there've been, it's been, you know, a whole year of preparations for every concert and back and forth and selecting the songs, selecting the musicians selecting the the whole lineup for the concert it's really it's really been an amazing experience so yeah, far. Yeah. They take and it they
0: take it very seriously and they insist everybody be well prepared and that's exactly, exactly. what happens and it comes through on stage. Exactly. Now are are you I I and we always we've said this you know hundreds of times over the years about concerts that feature different acts and they go ahead and do duets and things like that it doesn't always live up to its advanced billing. With this one it's always cool to see who gets matched up? You're you're not only singing individually, right? You're going to be part of different of different, of different um, combinations yes. that are going to be hitting the stage. Be,
2: there'll be a whole bunch a whole bunch of combinations, and uh, it's I'm I'm excited for it. It's like things that I don't uh, get to do every day, and it's going to be amazing. I, I'd like to just uh, just start interrupts, interrupt,
1: Khan, sure. because I I, no I feel I feel that you know uh, that an essential part of the concert every year just this particular concert is khazonas right that that you know it's like you know i come from a background of of yiddish culture yiddish music and so on but to get to the to the real core of the Yiddish soul, of Yiddish shama is, uh, is Chazanus. And, and, and the, these artists, uh, uh, yeah, Chazan Lemmer, Chazan Burson, yeah, uh, also connected with, with the Yiddish language and with the tradition and the thousand-year tradition of Eastern Europe, and, and, and it, it comes across in uh, such a stirring way that it moves people from all the sectors, from all the genres. And not so. just
0: that. It's what you said yeah. earlier. It's amazing to me how it hits the young people that night. Most young people are not always into cantorial selections. But for some reason in that venue, in that atmosphere, it, it seems to get to everybody's heart.
1: I agree, and you know, and this year you mentioned the collaborations. Right. You know, the 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 Cantors will be working with, with the Grammy-winning Klezmatiks, the Klezmatiks, which have, have you know for for like a quarter of a century have brought Yiddish music to to every corner of the world. You know, to, and and klezmer music, and they've rev, they've led the revival of klezmer music. So now that you have like thousands of young people all over the world playing klezmer because of people like Frank London and Lawrence Glamberg, You know, this is this is you know bringing them all together here. As I said before, this is worthy of, of Carnegie Hall and no Lincoln Center. It. No it, question it, about it. It's on the highest, highest level. No and question it was, about we're it. So we couldn't be prouder to bring it together, and we couldn't be more excited about next Wednesday. And, and believe me, the weather is going to be fantastic. By bad. the way,
0: I, I, you know, I, better, better. I better say Kane Einhara.
1: But, it, but, right. but
0: but <laughs> but but if you've looked at the weather, it looks spectacular for next Wednesday. So we we may have mommish the perfect night next week. So let's just and, hope and
1: bring bring your dancing shoes. Yeah, bring bring your bring your best voices to sing along. And and bring your family and bring your children and bring your grandparents because it's going to be a, a real community simcha, yeah. a real community simcha.
0: They're all going to like it. It's as simple as that. Chaim David Burson, you're very familiar with that neighborhood. After all, you're on the Upper West Side, correct? So you're, correct.
2: You, this you, is uh, my backyard or front yard or both.
0: <laughs> you, know, um. you know that there are thousands of people just in that area who would love a show like this.
2: Yes, and they they come every year, and we're spreading the word. Um, I'm hoping, you know, I'm at the Jewish Center on the 86th Street, not right. far from there. And uh, God willing, a lot of people from our community and from the other communities will be joining. And uh, we're all looking forward to this every year. This is a great great event. It is. And, a, it's uh, an amazing night. It really, like you said, it's it's we we you know we're coming from in a way from the cantorial background, and as Moshe said, the heart and soul. But we're bringing it to the heart, the heart of New York City. And we add, you know, some new elements, and we bring it in a new, a new presentation, and it appeals to all crowds, all ages, and uh, it's always very, very special. It's, yeah, it's, no like question. Said, it's, it is, uh,
0: it is unique in that way. It really is unbelievable. And, and again, everybody out there listening, it's free, which is unbelievable. Yiddish soul, the Klesmatics, Zusha, the Maccabees, Yankee Lemmer, Chaim David Burson, Special appearance by Daniel Kahn. I will be there that night with the the honor of presiding over the proceedings that evening. Information about one week from tonight for Yiddish Soul 2017, nytf.org. nytf.org or call 212 213 2120, extension 204. 212 213 2120. Extensions to a
1: Yiddish uh, troubadour uh, from Europe. Just check him out on YouTube singing Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen in Yiddish. Check that out. It's over a half a million views. Hallelujah by Daniel Kahn in Yiddish. And uh, and then you'll get a taste of, of what to expect next week.
0: Phenomenal. Chaim um, David Burson, thank you. Moishe Rosenfeld, thank you. Uh, I'm going to give a big thank you to Zalman maluttik Thank
1: uh, you to Zalman. Thank you to everybody. Thank you to Nachum Siegel, a fantastic charismatic MC <laughs> thank you for to Yiddish my- soul.
0: <laughs> thank you so much. It's a real honor. Thank
2: you, Nachum. Thank you, Moishe.
0: A pleasure. I cannot wait for a week from tonight, everybody be there. You'll see the big smile on my face because it's an amazing and incredible evening that just uh, pierces the heart in the most positive way possible. Come enjoy Yiddish Soul. Bring the kids, bring the grandparents. I'm telling you every generation will enjoy. This is a piece done by Chaim David Burson. It's called Katonti and you're listening to JM in the AM. (laughs)
3: Cola Hasadim Mumikol Haemet Asherasita et aldeha Caton Timikola Hasadim Mumikol Haemet Asherasita et aldeha Caton Timikola Hasadim Mumikol a init asher rasita et avdecha katonti mikol hasadim u mikol haemet asher rasita et avdecha ki vamakli avat yetayatel ataytilish nemakhalot hatsileni na I moved to the Yardin You were me for ravante t'ha yardé atayti li schnemahano hatileni na hatileni na hatileni na kinematli avante t'ha atayti li schnemahano hatileni na
0: that was my conversation with Meisha Rosenfeld and Chaim David Burson about Yiddish Soul happening tomorrow night in Central Park on the summer stage. Next up on JM Rewind, Yad Sarah Libby Goldstein joined us from Israel with a great story from the Blizzard a few years ago describing the incredible dedication. And the amazing stucca that Yad Sarah is. Uh, Yad Sarah, an organization celebrating forty years, and the one that we visited during our most recent trip to Israel. Here's Libby Goldstein, our guest, part of JM Rewind on the Naftali Segal Network. Many of you may recall our visit to Yad Sarah was a couple of Tuesdays ago in Jerusalem, when we had the opportunity to speak about the incredible array of services that they provide. I mean, the free equipment, the lending, the therapies, the uh, the, uh, the different um, uh, programs that are offered in the building, outside the building, volunteers, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's endless. And if you missed the show, it was really a comprehensive show with, with an incredible view of the volunteer effort in Israel. So you can check that out in our archives. Um, so one of the people that has agreed to um, speak to us about the greatness of Yad Sarah on this uh, program is Libby Goldstein, who's in Jerusalem. She has an amazing story how helpful they were to her. And in general, I remind everybody that there are there's a service in Yad Zerah in Jerusalem. There is a service, and really all over Israel, but obviously their bases in Jerusalem, um, where any tourist who is in need of a medical need, a piece of equipment, trips for therapy, special um, um, vans that are outfitted for people with disabilities to go visit certain areas as tourists, they do it all. I told you uh, more than once that day, just be in touch with us, and we'll be more than happy to uh, direct you to the right person by email to set this up for when you and your family members go to Israel. Libby Goldstein from Jerusalem, welcome to JM in the AM. Hello, Nachon. A pleasure to speak with you. First of all, you know, whenever we hear that somebody had you know, to make an appointment for, th- for um, treatments and stuff, we-, we hope you're well. We hope things are going on the right road for you.
4: Yeah, Baruch Hashem. I'm already, um, thank God, I'm three years after wow. the cancer. Baruch
0: Hashem. Uh, we're
4: still praying and uh, hoping that it won't return. Yeah. I was I was sick for three years, and it, it came back three times, so we're, we're praying.
0: Well, stay strong, and we're going to pray along with you. Um, thank you very much. We, we've spoken, as you heard, we've spoken on this program about the uniqueness of the organization. How, in your case specifically, was Yad Sarah there when you needed them?
4: Okay, it was, it was actually quite a funny story. Um, I, As I as I just told you, I was treated in Hadassah and Kalam for three years right. because I had Hodgkin lymphoma, which was diagnosed during the pregnancy, uh, during my pregnancy with my youngest daughter. And um, and I went through all sorts of treatments and uh, a bone marrow transplant and radiation and all sorts of things, and thank God everything went smoothly and everything was fine. And when the cancer um, came back again um, I had to have a treatment which was for a whole year every three weeks I had to come to the hospital and it was really important they should be exactly on time every three weeks and then about it was three and a half years ago there was a very very strong sto- uh, snowstorm in Jerusalem oh my gosh
0: I, I know which one you mean the blizzard of December 2015 15 or 14 I think,
4: or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, think,
0: I think, yeah. <laughs> well, your memory is better than that. Well, well, we were, we were um, stuck in that blizzard, so we know exactly what you're referring to.
4: <laughs> yes, so so the blizzard started, I think it was a Wednesday evening. Right. And by Thursday morning, the whole of Jerusalem was covered with snow. Friday it just got worse. Right. About, and it was like that till Monday. Now, already on Thursday, they, they were anticipating a very, very bad storm. And I had my treatment on Monday, and I started thinking to myself already on Thursday, how on earth am I going to get to Hadassah? I'm not going to drive there; it's too dangerous down the the roads to Hadassah, Whoever knows those roads? It's um, you need to have a safe car. And um, and I was thinking, how do I get there? And everyone was like, you know, Israelis. Oh, by then it'll be fine. And um, so. So then I spoke with one of my friends who works in Yad Sarah, and she told me, listen, if you get stuck, just call us, and we will figure it out. We'll we'll send a car, or or somehow we'll, we'll, we'll get you to hospital. You're getting chemo, it's important. We'll get you there. And when it came to Monday morning, and it was already icy on the roads, there was no more snow, fresh snow, but it was all icy. I couldn't drive, and my husband didn't want to take the risk either. So we we started thinking, how do we get to... Hadassah, I called up Yad Sarah in the morning and they said, yes, we're going we're gonna to find you a car and we're going to get to you. Um, obviously, there were a lot of people who needed to get to, um, if it was chemo or other treatments in hospital. So there was a list and I was waiting. And then suddenly my husband noticed from the window of our building um, a van of Yad Sarah just stuck right in the middle of our road. Um, he was stuck in the snow. And so he went down, and he said, I'm going to write down the number plate, and we'll try and see if the driver lives in, in our area, and he can take us. So he goes down to the car, and on the window, the driver, as he got stuck, he left a note saying, if I'm blocking, please contact me. This is my number, which was incredible. You have that only in Israel. It's unbelievable. Um, so so yes, yeah, so we just we we picked up the phone, we called this guy. Um, if I'm not wrong his name was Smolik. And we I said to him, um, "Hi, I just saw your car." He says, "Oh, I'm sorry, am i blocking you. Should I move my car?" I said, "No, you need to take me to hospital." <laughs> so so he said, "Okay, no problem." He said, "Let me go down and see if I can start my car because it was stuck." He calls me back like 2 minutes later. He says, "Okay, the car's the engine's on. Come down now." So I went down to to i went I got into his van and he took me to Hadassah on the way He's telling me that his wife is nine months pregnant and and that he just left her alone at home to oh take me gosh. to hospital.
0: Oh my gosh, I'll tell you yes,
4: it was an incredible story um, i I got my treatment that day it went it was the quickest treatment my because my, my medication was already waiting for me, um, and it was the quickest treatment. And on the way home, also they sent a driver from Yad Sarah to take me home, and and it was incredible. And I was so amazed that for Shabbat, I told my husband, "Let's buy a nice big bouquet of flowers and give this um, this guy Shmulik uh, a nice, you know, um, mm-hmm. a token big of thank appreciation." You. Right? And I wrote him a note: "Thank you very much." And um, and the notes circled around the, the WhatsApp group of the drivers, as I didn't know the name of the other driver, and I just said, I would really like to thank him also. And just a couple days later, a week after the storm, Yad Sarah already arranged an evening to, to thank all those volunteers who stayed in the building that entire weekend, which I thought was so special. Because you know you have all sorts of organizations doing stuff, and it takes them years to get them they act together to you know to to thank their volunteers and here like within a week they had a it was you know they did like a barbecue or something like just something nice for the people who worked so so hard and to appreciate them and to say thank you and they invited me to come in and say a few words and and it was just really nice because we the, the driver who took me to hospital was there without a car, and he was there with his highly pregnant wife. <laughs> so we took them home.
3: Oh, <laughs> so funny. we said, "Okay,
4: now the circle has been, um, <laughs> the the tables have turned." And the next day, she had a baby, and it was uh, it was just very nice. It was, uh, you know, till then I used to think Yad Sarah they help elderly people. They, um, if if a family needs a crib or, or an inhalation machine, I never thought that I would actually uh, be using them and it was just it was just so good to know that they were there for me.
0: And this is being replicated in every area of Israel those with snow and those without snow (laughs) they're always they're always servicing people and giving rides and making sure uh, that the transportation whether it's an emergency or not uh, it could be just regular transport is taking place and I wanted to emphasize to our audience that what you just described uh, as we discovered a couple of weeks ago at the Yad headquarters in Yerushalayim uh, this is being done for tourists for people who are uh, coming in, they may have a family member with a disability or with a, you know, with some type of problem. Uh, they go ahead and they actually arrange for the transportation and take care, like they took care of you, take care of the people to go to friends or relatives or a tourist attraction or a holy site. They take care of the whole things. So I think it's important for our listeners, especially outside of Israel, to know that, that service is provided by Yad Sarah for people around the world, which is pretty remarkable. So I thank you. Yeah, for, it's I thank amazing. You, I thank you for sharing that story with us. Uh, Libby, Thank you for- Libby Goldstein, where are you from originally, by the way? Uh,
4: Jerusalem. You're from originally from <laughs>
0: Jerusalem. Wow, unbelievable. Yes. Because um, yeah. I was wondering if, uh, if you, I was going to say if you were not originally from Israel, um, how diff- uh, how how different, as you described it earlier, life is in Israel because these types of things you only see there, and this type of volunteerism you only see in Israel, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, look,
4: I'm, I'm, my husband is from England, right. um, and I do see how the Jewish communities, they get together, and they do so much chesed, uh, but, but it's different in Israel. There's something very different here, and I think everyone can, can agree with it, that when you come to Israel, uh, it's just its home.
0: So true. Uh, Kolak avod, Libby, thanks so much for joining us today, and feel good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Continued Hatzlacha. Thursday morning broadcast, my thanks to Libby Goldstein. Yad Zara has all these services, and as we said, for those of us who are tourists, those of us who are outside of Israel who really can help a family member or a friend get to Israel and be part of the whole experience, and Yad Zara, as they described to us two weeks ago on the air, will take care of that whole experience for you in terms of all this transportation. Just email us at any of our email addresses, nachum at com. Uh, or go to the Yad website, and uh, you'll be able to investigate, research, and see exactly what we're talking about. More coming up at 18 minutes after 8 o'clock. This is a Thursday morning at JM in the AM. Mm-hmm. I want to thank uh, Libby Goldstein for joining us uh, from Israel. Um, her story is uh, is amazing. And um, again, a reminder, uh, the uh, folks at Yad are able to help anybody from outside of Israel who may have a disability, may have trouble getting around Israel, wants to visit friends or relatives and needs a, a ride in a special van or whatever the case may be, uh, go to a tourist attraction, to a uh, holy site, whatever the case may be, they could do it all. They also, in addition to that, provide all medical needs for tourists. So if, you, if you're if you going to Israel, as we described a couple of weeks ago, if you're going to Israel and you need a hospital bed in your hotel, if you need a hospital bed in in your hotel, they will deliver it to the hotel, free service. They will deliver it to the hotel and take care of it. That's Yad Sarah. Uh, so as I said, you could be in touch with them directly, or if you want, just uh, send us an email, and we'll let you know how. This summer, you could bring someone to Israel who you know may have challenges getting around, but Yad Sarah will take care of everything from the moment they land till the moment they leave, which is pretty remarkable. That was my conversation with Libby Goldstein as we spoke about the greatness of the Yad Sarah organization. Willie Hochman is up next from the Joel Paul Group. Willie, of course, uh, always updates us on what what employment is like out there in the uh, Jewish world, specifically uh, vis-a-vis not-for-profits. Willie Hochman of the Joel Paul Group, my guest recently on JM the AM. You'll hear that interview now on this edition of JM Rewind at the Nachum Segal Network. Willie Hochman is here. He's chief executive officer at the Joel Paul Group. Uh, we've discussed many times the executive search and consulting firm that uh, is out there, especially for not-for-profits in the Jewish world, really for any uh, any organization, any company, but they really specialize tremendously in that area. Go to joelpol.com joelpol.com, As I always say, if these segments lead to one person getting employment in our community or even one organization um, expanding their network of potential employers, it is certainly well worth it. Willie Hochman, welcome back to JM in the AM.
5: Good morning, Malcolm. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be here.
0: I mentioned earlier on the air how, uh, I, don't want to sound, I, don't, I don't want to make it sound like it was a surprise, but how successful our fundraising campaign was here during our fundraising marathons. I thank you because you, of course, were a big part of it, so thank you very much.
5: You need to hire a director of development to uh, exponentially grow your fundraising. You
0: think we'd make even more if we had a director of development? <laughs>
5: if you had the right person, that's right. That's my feeling.
0: How many resumes, if I was looking for a director of development, would you be able to send me today?
5: It's a great question. Um, I'll tell you, you know, two parts to that answer. Um, we are doing it. We do executive search firm, and we do it in a way where we are sort of the. HR department of most agencies and organizations, and if they have an HR department, we partner with them, and we source candidates through various sources, our own database that's probably 30-plus years old uh, in terms of candidates, and we have networks of people who refer people. So short answer to your question is, after dialoguing about the exact, it's not just what do they have in their resume, but what's their fit, what's their profile, What's their expanse in how to do what you need to do? Uh, you'd probably see, after, and our, our process takes about three to four weeks just to, us, we interview. We don't just send you resumes. We're not a resume factory that says, here's 20 resumes, good luck. So at the end of our process, you'd probably see five to seven, maybe eight good resumes. And we learn from that. For some reason, if all those seven or eight don't meet your criteria, we go back to the drawing board. We get a little better Communication and feedback from you, and we we keep the process going.
0: You know, before our independence as an independent network back in December, I had no need for a director of development. But now you've just opened my eyes. Maybe we in fact do need. There you go. A director. Would I be impressed with the majority of the candidates you would send my way?
5: I would hope so, and I'll I'll tell you the other. uh, And it's not a competitor of ours in a way. But there is a website College. there is a website out there <laughs> called jewishjobs.com. Yeah. They do mostly entry- level, middle level uh, type of placements. but just to give you the, the reference to what your question was right. and I know the the, the, the gentleman who runs uh, Jewish jobs um, you look at the jobs out there, let's call it for development, and you'll see on their posting how many times the posting was viewed on average, it's viewed 80 to a hundred times. Mm-hmm. He tells me the percentage of people who then apply from, let's say, 80 is about 20 to 25 resumes that are sent to the organization. Right. That's a lot of resumes. Now, honestly, probably out of the 25, 22 or 3 are not relevant.
0: Right. There'd be two or three good candidates.
5: That's right. So the advantage of coming to a search firm is we do all that work for you because the client, the organization that uses Jewish jobs, still has to look at all those resumes and has to have the time and the staff. And that's what we provide. But it's a resource for, for various organizations.
0: Interesting. You got me thinking, as I'm sure you have a lot of people thinking right now. Willie Hochman is with us. J.M. in the AM with the Joel Paul group. JoelPoll.com. I seem to always ask you this question, um, and, and it never changes no matter what month it is. I, if you're here in January, I ask you. If you're here in April, I ask you. Now you're here in June, and I ask you, is this a heavy season for both organizations and recruitment in the not-for-profit world?
5: So uh, maybe I'm going to amend my, my uh, answer to that from previous times. It, it's not as cyclical as if um, day, Jewish day schools are looking for teachers and principals. The start that's, in that's kind of done. It right. starts again after the Omtovim Tovim and the Jewish holidays. But in the organizational world, what does start to take effect probably um, after Pesach and during this time as well and try before the summer, there is an increase in staffing for various reasons. Um, one of the reasons is hopefully organizations have seen six months of their, if they're on a fiscal year of De- uh, January to December, they've right. seen their budget. Mm-hmm. And they could see, okay, we are trending in the way that they want to trend, let's say up, mm-hmm. so that they have flexibility to add to staff. Um, also, this time of year, if you want to hire someone and have them start, after the, quote, slow time of the summer where people are on vacation and donors might not be around, or any, it doesn't have to be just development, right. finance or, or executive level. Mm-hmm. So they want to get that process started now so that, if you will, by the holidays or right after the summer, someone's in, they're trained, they're, they're getting their work done so they have a good court, fourth quarter of ex- activity that they can do.
0: Are most transitions smooth? Do you, you, you witness a lot of transitions. You witness an executive director of a school leaving, and now they use the summer months to transition to a new executive director, just as an example. Are most of those transitions smooth?
5: So one of the most, uh, I wouldn't say newest, but for lack of a better word, one of the most current trends is when an executive or anybody in a CFO position or an administrative, programmatic, or development position indicates to their employer or board member I'm retiring, or I'm getting a new job, but they give them three months, let's say, of advance notice. Mm -hmm. That's the ideal transition, Mm -hmm. because a smart organization or agency will spend a little extra money, double up, bring the new person in, transition, train them, and then it's a a mutually beneficial uh, process. It doesn't always happen that way. A lot of times it happens where, I'll give it three weeks notice, and the... Person is taking a new job, and they give their employer three weeks' notice. It's rare that in three weeks the person, the new person, could be hired and work with that current person. So there are
0: that would be a real cramming session. Yes, try to learn everything. But
5: what usually happens there is, hopefully, there's other staff members that are participating in the new hire's uh, initiation and learning of all the nuances of the new organization or agency, so that transition is a little better. And sometimes it's uh, feet in the fire.
0: Right. Or trial by fire. Trial
5: by fire. Um, (laughs) There may be some people in this
0: audience, men and women, who are executive ready, who don't know about the Joel Poll group yet, and you want to hear from them. Yes. You you don't want to hear from entry-level people. You want to hear from people who are ready to take positions that you traditionally search for.
5: So I'm only going to amend that last comment by saying, and I was trained, if you will, There's no textbook for this business, but Mr. Joel Paul should live and be well, comes in four days a week and is our president. I bought the business from him eight years ago. Our door is open, and we do see Mm entry-level candidates with the caveat disclaimer that we will not have a job for you today, but it's about career guidance. We in our firm get very excited about people who want to go into the nonprofit agency or organizational school world, and we give them ideas of even how to search, where to look for, who to talk to, how to network. And the, one, of the, one of the main reasons is we can call it a free HaKar HaTov or it's payback. Right. Tomorrow, today's entry level could be tomorrow's Jewish leaders. Correct. And we want to know them and they want to know us. Okay. But um, in, in, in most cases, uh, yes, we are definitely open to meeting candidates. Even if they don't see a job on our website or hear about a job from others that we're currently working on, we want to see candidates all the time. And it is not unusual—
0: for a, for example, hospital administrator to become a school administrator or the opposite if they're qualified to do so, right? That, it's not unusual to crisscross in the industry.
5: Yes, there are there are certain um, positions that can be crisscrossed, in your words, transitioned and you can connect the dots to. It doesn't have to be someone working for Jewish organization X to go to Jewish organization Y. Right. Even, you know, to take it one step further, um, you'll have... Men and women who are in the corporate world, mm-hmm. whatever they could have a job as a finance executive in the corporate world, can they transition? And I'll say with a yes, with a comma, yes, if they have knowledge of or experience right. as maybe a lay leader in the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. Uh, good salesmen or saleswomen can do development if they have some connection familiar. to nonprofit world.
0: Right, understood. All right, uh, so anybody out there with that with that resume, with that background, with those goals, should be in touch with you by calling a phone number or sending best, an email? The
5: best is email. Um, on our website, there's uh, resumes uh, at joelpaul.com. You can email me, william at joelpaul.com. Uh, cause, and I'm not trying to discourage phone calls, but all phone calls all right. do is every, myself and my recruiters will say, Please send us a resume and then we'll talk. So get the resume in and then we'll follow up.
0: And in terms of the other side of the equation, anybody out there who is running any type of organization, any type of company really, but certainly the not-for-profit organizations for sure, um, who are looking for any type of executive, does not have to be development. As you said, it could be executive director or any position in any of the department. It could be head of HR. It could be anything, right?
5: Exactly. We do Everything operate, you know, directors are just titles, directors of operations, CFOs, uh, controllers, uh, programmatic uh, individuals. Um, We're not really called upon and we really don't have a, you know, a connection to, let's say, organizations that need social workers or psychologists. That's not our forte. There might be others out there or you use various other job posting sites.
0: All right. Uh, In order to um, facilitate... Those organizations who are looking to hire and now understand the benefit of your firm, same thing. William at joelpole.com. Yes. Simple as that.
5: Um, we're happy to meet right. with, uh, and again, we are a, na- a national search firm as your right. um, We're in worldwide <laughs> as your network is. Um, we use today's technology. Um, if we have clients uh, looking, prospects, organizations in California or Florida, wherever they are, we get on the computer, we do a Skype you know, discussion and we market ourselves and see what their needs are. We're just not tri-state area focused, although we are residing in the New York City office.
0: And you do place for those organizations that work with Israeli organizations, meaning there may be a, a New York office, American Friends, of one of our great friends in Israel, you certainly can place in those offices as
5: 100%. well. 100%. That's a uh, existing, growing, increasing uh, right. part of our business. It's been steady. Um, And it takes a a unique individual, whether they are, again, executive director, fundraising, or CFO, to be a fit and personality. Even though it's in an American friends of, you have to have that understanding of Israeli culture, Israeli colleagues, even though they're not your supervisors. It's a Chinese wall between our nonprofits here in America and Israel, but there has to be, that's a different kind of person and fit.
0: That person might be living in Israel, but you'll find them.
5: Yes, yeah. that's right. You'll there are it. organizations, uh, even here in America, that say sometimes, uh, listen, our product, whether it's a yeshiva, whether it's a hospital, says, we don't mind if our development director lives in Israel, right. but we'll travel right. every five weeks, six weeks to America. Or the opposite. Maybe they want to funders. move to America for a year. Who knows? Exactly. You
0: know? exactly. All right. Willie Hoffman's available to everybody. It's William at com. The Joel Pole Group is located on West 36th Street in New York City and ready to... Uh, uh, fill the needs of those who are looking for executive positions and of course those organizations that are looking to fill executive positions of any type uh, it is worth exploring everybody certainly worth a conversation if you're on either side of the equation joelpole.com joelpole.com Willie.
5: And just one last thing uh, I'd like to uh, put out there, uh, our staff uh, is, is needing to grow. Thank God we have- uh, Your own staff. Our own staff.
0: You need a search firm for your own That's staff. Right. <laughs> I
5: wear many hats. That's right. So if anyone is interested in being a recruiter, marketing with our firm, doing recruiting, I'm happy to talk to them as well. Um, it's an exciting industry, and there's definitely room for growth. Nice.
0: William at joelpole.com. Thank you again for your support and for visiting this morning. Much appreciated.
5: My pleasure, Nahum, as always.
0: That was my conversation with Willie Hachman of the Joel Paul Group. Coming up next, Rigavim is an amazing organization in Israel. Josh Hasten joined us recently to talk about a, a wonderful proposal that Rigavim has put together, one that you'll find fascinating during this conversation. It was a recent conversation with Josh Hasten of Rigavim part of JM and the AM, and now part of JM Rewind on the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, our good friend Josh Haston, who we last saw in Israel as we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem and the uh, 50 years since the uh, Six-Day War uh, in the Binyamin region, where we were uh, two Thursdays ago. He is with us live via telephone. Uh, we have highlighted the incredible work of Rigavim, and they have announced a new, very important, actually vital initiative that um, is really uh, critical to the future of the state of Israel and the land of Israel and the people of Israel. It really is as simple as that. Uh, with Rigavim, Josh Haston with us live via telephone from Israel. Josh, welcome back to JM in the AM.
6: It is an honor and a pleasure to be here. Welcome.
0: I greatly appreciate it. It was wonderful to reunite with people like yourself for the big 50th anniversary celebration. I hope some of the spirit that was going around in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and other areas, is, uh, is still in the air in that part of the world. Every day, Nachum, the
6: Spirit is here. It's alive and kicking. I am here in Jerusalem, and the streets, thank God, are bustling. The Middle East is collapsing around us, and everything here, thank God, is positive and beautiful. Nice summer day here in
0: our eternal capital city. 88 degrees in Yerushalayim. All right. Uh, Rig Avim, as many have tried before, is uh, very uh, intent on addressing the problem of illegal building by the Bedouin community in the Negev desert. Can you de- and, and people will find this shocking, frankly. Can you describe what Israel in the area of the Negev, which we, of course, perceive as being controlled by Israel, and you know, and and being home to a Jewish and Israeli population, could you describe what's happening now in the Negev, Josh?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, what we have now is a situation down in the Negev Desert. We have over two hundred thousand Bedouin who are citizens of the State of Israel, and over the years they have spread out. Now we are up to approximately two thousand illegal clusters or villages uh, down in the Negev Desert. If you just want to put it into perspective, you could fit the cities of, the entire cities of Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, Haifa, and Be'er Sheva, all four of those major cities in Israel, you could fit those into the areas in which the Bedouin have illegally taken over down in the Negev. So it's a, it's a huge problem. It's something Rigovim has been working on for years and years and years. Various government proposals have been put, Uh, forth, in order to, the goal here is to put these Bedouin who are living illegally on the grid, get them to be integrated into the state of Israel for their benefit, for the benefit of everyone in Israel, for the future of the Negev, for the future of the country. I mean, that's basically, in a nutshell, what it is. We want everyone to be following the law. That's what Regevim is. We're a legal watchdog, and people should be uh, adhering to the letter of the law. So that, that is a major problem. Which we have been dealing with now for for over ten years. It's been a problem, fortunately ignored for years and years for decades. And now, recently, it's it's finally been on the uh, on the plates of the government in order to do something. Several proposals were put together in the last couple of years. They've been rejected. And now, Rega v my organization, has put together a proposal which we believe will finally, once and for all, um, you know, deal in a fair manner with the situation amongst the Bedouin, give them opportunities, give them hope for the future, and bring them into the fold, bring them into the grid here in the state of Israel. We can't have lawlessness. We can't have these 2,000 illegal clusters spread out throughout the Negev. There's 17 legal communities, and our plan calls for those who are living illegally to get on the grid, to come, and, you know, this is what I'll tell you what's amazing. The Bedouin in Israel, the only community that the, the state of Israel is saying to them, look, if you're going to live legally in one of these legalized, recognized towns, we will give you land for free to do right. so. Right. We will compensate you for whatever area you're leaving. I mean, the government's bending over backwards, and they've been saying no, whether it's pressure from international organizations who don't want them uh, you know, to, to be a part of the state of Israel. There's a huge influence by the Islamic Uh, branch radicals in the north who are trying to influence them not to accept any type of deal. We're saying, and Regovim's put together a very comprehensive plan, which we have now on our website, regavim.org, a a comprehensive plan on how to deal with all the different issues to get the Bedouin to be uh, recognized members, contributing members to the state of Israel, paying taxes on the grid. So that in a nutshell is what we're talking
0: about here now. Josh Hastings with us. This is in addition to all the efforts you're making in the north and the central part of Israel. I mean, they're Rigavim is involved basically everywhere at this point.
6: Yeah, we have field agents who are monitoring uh, situations on the ground in the north and Judea and Samaria in the south and it's all about, again, adhering to the law, whether it's right. a legal building whether it's people who are trying to damage Israel uh, hurt the environment by carrying out illegal dumpings or illegal building or damaging archaeological sites Regavim has people on the ground the eyes and ears of the country um, and we're paying attention to these illegal crimes, sometimes uh, often rather, people come forward and report it to Regavim saying, hey, there's a legal building on here, there's a legal dumping You know, what is this going to mean for the future of our water sources, our water system? So we have people, our eyes and ears, uh, our own people, and then we have others in the field who report back to our people, let them know. Something is fishy here. Something is not right. People are breaking the law. People are dumping garbage. People are, are burning. A huge issue now with burning illegally throughout Judea and Samaria, which is affecting the air quality throughout the entire country. So we deal with all these issues in addition to illegal uh, building taking place in many, many places north, south,
0: Judea and Samaria. Let me ask you this, especially when it comes to the Negev, because, I mean, this problem, which has been a problem for quite a while, frankly, uh, some people look at some aspects of it as irreversible. Do you sometimes get that feeling that certain parts of the progress that has been made by the Bedouins are not going to be able to be reversed by the Israeli government?
6: Well, I, I don't know if it's irreversible. It's definitely vast and expanding, you know, with 2,000 illegal clusters of villages, and growing. But that is really the goal of our plan: uh, to develop the existing legal communities, to resettle the Bedouin population who are, you know, living in these illegal areas, and then at the end of the day, to resolve ownership claims because Bedouin have certain have certain claims in certain areas. So we're saying, okay, so come forward, let's let's work it out. You know, I know we know this problem has been ignored. We know that the, the government, unfortunately, has not been enforcing. Uh, the laws or the land laws and the ownership laws. So let's work it out together. So I think if these things happen, uh, you know, developing and investing in these existing communities, uh, resettling in those communities, and then dealing with whatever ownership claims there are. I think think if those three things are happening, then, you know, we can really, we can reverse the trend. It, It all starts you know, unfortunately, and we see this now. I don't know if you saw it. You reported in the news. And 24 hours or 48 hours ago, uh, there was a riot in Kfar Qasem, which is a town in central Israel. And how, how do we believe this started? You know, what, what happened? that caused a riot. A policeman actually had to use his weapon, and one of the protesters was killed. It all starts with illegal activity. Regavim has found huge, vast, amounts of illegal building taking place there. And if people are able to get away with that, to build illegally, and there's lawlessness, then it just escalates and escalates. And, and you have a situation where we had the other day where someone was unfortunately killed in a, in a riot. So if, you know, if that's the trend, if we keep going down that path where lawlessness is, is, is acceptable, where stealing equipment from IDF bases is acceptable, if those things keep happening, then we're down the wrong path. That's why we brought this plan together, in order to straighten out the situation. So to answer your question, it is reversible, but it, but it has to happen quick, because this is expanding. You're talking about four major cities can fit into these areas where the Banner have taken over control, and it's not acceptable. The laws have to be enforced in Israel, whether you're talking about Jews, Arab citizens, Christians, it doesn't matter. The laws have to apply to everybody, and that's what Regovim is saying.
0: Is it possible that the EU or representatives of the European Union are encouraging them to expand their area down there?
6: Uh, listen, there are various NGOs um, here in Israel who are definitely being funded by foreign governments and foreign sources foreign sources who are creating a false narrative down in the Negev Desert, claiming, for example, that, you know, the Bedouin are the indigenous populations who've been living there for generations and generations and have historical ties to that area. That's absolutely not true. So they are fanning the flames, encouraging these people, no, don't take a deal from the Israeli government. You'll get a better deal down the road. They'll make more and more concessions. That we are seeing is happening, these so-called uh, liberal or, or humanist organizations claiming they have the interests of the bedouin or the arabs in mind they certainly do not they're here to harm the state of israel that and if you combine that with the influence of the northern branch of the islamic movement which is basically a muslim brotherhood outlet in the state of israel uh, up in the north, they have, we've seen over the years, they have had an influence in the education system and in the mosques, down in the Negev, uh, which, you know, decreases that motivation for veterans to serve in the army. Those numbers are down. With all of that together, I mean, that, that is the root and source of the problem. So we have to weed out those elements, whether foreign or domestic, who are trying to Keep those, you know, keep the Bedouin in squalor, keep them in situations where they won't accept the deal. By the way, a lot of them down in the south, there are mansions down there. A lot of them are living beautifully in some of these communities. You can, you know, I'm happy to give you a tour when you come back to Israel to see how some are actually living like literally like kings uh, down there in the Negev. But for others, they're definitely being influenced by foreign elements, and uh, and it has to stop because they're not really looking out for their best interests. We think this plan is in the best interests of the Bedouin to grow and to prosper and to thrive uh, down in the Negev, and it really affects everybody here in the state of Israel.
0: Josh Haston with Rigavim in Israel. All right, Josh, how do our listeners help? If those those want to help the effort and keep you guys going strong, what do we do?
6: It's very simple. You can go to regavim.org, The policy paper I just put up there today in English. You can go see it. Um, there, you know, it's very it's pretty complicated. I'm not going to lie to you, but I think I explained the gist of it. Go to regavim.org, dot org. Check it out and see everything else that the organization is doing. Of course, you can follow us on Facebook as well, which is updated uh, you know several times, if not uh, several times a week, if not. Uh, if more things are happening, we do it even more frequently. So regavim.org or find Regavim on Facebook. Get in touch, get involved, and help us uh, bring lawlessness to this country um, and protect Israel's national lands for generations to
0: come. Josh Haston of Regavim. We uh, uh, we wholeheartedly encourage people to send a few or more dollars their way and let Regavim continue their holy work. Saving Israel and Building Israel, rigavim.org, R-E-G-A-V-I-M.org. It's very simple, and of course you'll see there the news story that we uh, concentrated on this morning, the Bedouin presence in the Negev and what Rigavim is doing uh, to to, uh, make sure that there's a guaranteed future for the state of Israel down there. Uh, Josh, thanks so much. Continue your amazing work and uh, continue to update us, please
6: same to you. Hope to see you here back in Israel very,
0: very soon. Hashem. Josh Haston, Rigavim.org. Check it out, everybody. That was my conversation with Josh Haston of Rigavim in Israel. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of JM Rewind. More coming up as we continue throughout the entire day right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. <laughs>
7: kind of a
3: struggle like kind of a struggle no way
7: alcohol toi, toi vera, boy no, boy no, 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 no du boy no, 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 no Sashimbe Simho, Spoilipona Vinona, Boylepona Vinona, No, 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 I'm a little bit of a little bit of a a little bit of a little No, a no, no of a no bit of a no, 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 a